Welcome to More Than Tracy Turnblad, the podcast about fat representation in entertainment and media. I'm Abby, she, her, and today Luce is in rehearsal for an amazing project that we're not allowed to know about, so it's just me and an amazing new guest. This is Jade, who is a content creator on TikTok, and we are today going to talk about the movie Precious. I recently watched it in my film class, much to discuss. I made a TikTok about it. Jade commented like four different comments. I was like, wait, I need to know more because you're mine. So today we're going to get into it. So Jade, tell us like, how did you get into content creation? It's kind of interesting. It's something that like, I feel like a lot of people can relate to. We like watch Mm -hmm. our favorite content creators, admire it. So I was a huge consumer of it. And I always kind of knew... I wanted to do it like I would have those moments in the bathroom and be like hey guys get ready with me and like would never like film or anything like that I would play pretend content creator and then I think I think I had to get over the idea of Mm -hmm. like other people's perception of me and like how they might perceive me and like not being vulnerable to like put yourself out there so I think I finally like took to strive to start and I it's like beginning stages but I really do love it I think it's one of those where um I kind of grew up like liking things but I couldn't really find my passion so like now I feel like I've found it in content creating and I mainly post content for like all my fat plus size babes love that um I really love your content you seem to have like such a good sense for like the aesthetic of it all and like you have such a bubbly and engaging personality like I think you're really well suited to it um so let's talk about like all the fat stuff how did you originally like get into like the fat positive world where did you first hear of that it was one of those where like I've just always been the bigger one since Mm -hmm. I was little um I've always been a little bit bigger a little bit more chubby Uh, but I think I realized that as a kid, it was something that was, like, like really young. Oh, like, you're so cute. Like, you have chubby cheeks. Like, oh Yeah, and then oh, it, I get that a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I think with the dimples and everything, like, everybody's like, ah. And I thought it was, like, something that people enjoyed and thought was beautiful. Mm. Until I got a little older and I was beyond, like, my little bubble of my family. And I started going to school. And then I started to realize, like, I didn't realize there was an issue with my body and my size until, like, people brought it up and, like, the comments. And I think, like, socialization and schools and then, like, other people would treat me. I was kind of, like, having all these feelings and couldn't really understand it on why there was such a shift in how I felt about myself. And then I started having my own internal stuff about it. And I think once I got older and started to, like, experience life more, I was kind of, like, let me take a step back. Mm -hmm. I think there's something here. And then I think with the fact I didn't have a lot of plus size friends around me either, I felt a lot of my experiences, I kind of had to figure out by myself in my head. So I like went online and I started watching TV. But then at the same time, like I'd watch TV and some of those things would like reinforce like all these things that everybody was saying. And I was like, wait, this is confusing. (laughs) But in (laughs) high school, the first ever thing I watched was um, My Mad Fat Diary. And I was just, like, so, like, obsessed. I wonder how I would feel about it now if I rewatched it as an adult. But during the time, I loved seeing that on the screen. And I think I was, like, I see a lot of fat people in the world. And I was just kind of, like, I'm not the only one. It's just confusing to see so few on TV. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> like we exist uh, and i was like i'm feeling all these things there has to be other people that can relate so that's when i started like looking into like the body positivity self-acceptance more so um and then all that kind of stuff that's how i kind of got into having these fat conversations because i would have loved it growing up yeah I, like I needed it desperately. I love what you said about like body acceptance versus positivity because I feel like acceptance feels a little more unconditional and body positivity feels like kind of active, but it's like you don't have to do anything to let your body be accepted. And I think positivity sometimes feels a little bit like overcorrection in terms mm-hmm. of like, not that you shouldn't be positive about your body, like of course you should, but like then there's pressure to be. So just like, acceptance feels more like accessible to everybody even if your Mm -hmm. body's really marginalized by society even if you're told how like unattractive you are a lot you know what I mean um and I also I love how you said that like you started from this pure place of not even knowing about fat phobia like you have memories of being taught about it and I think that's really interesting because I think a lot of people unfortunately like it starts in the family really young and we're not born fat phobic. We're not born mm-hmm. hating our bodies. I thousand percent agree. Yeah. It's all learned. Yeah. And if it's learned, it can be unlearned. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. That's, let's talk about that. <laughs> Truly. Um, so let's talk about precious. Speaking of learning it from family. Um, This is a content warning for everybody who is listening because we're about to discuss some incredibly triggering things, physical and sexual abuse, incest, violence, feederism, infant abuse, and of course, fat phobia and racism. So there's a lot going on here. Um, If this is an episode that you need to sit out, totally understand, take care of yourself. But we are going to get into that because it's what this movie is. So like, when did you first hear of Precious? I first heard about it when I was at school and a kid came up to me and was like, hey, Precious. And like, everybody laughed and I was just so confused because at the time the movie came out in 2009, so I was only 10 at the time. Yeah. And I don't think my mom was going to let me watch Precious. Like, <laughs> yeah. <and> so, <laughs> so I had no idea. So like, I Googled it and the first thing I saw was... Um, this plus-size, dark-skinned black woman running outside with a bucket of fried chicken. Oh and I was God. just kind of like, okay. Like, <laughs> I was just kind of like... So, like, I didn't see, like, all the other, like, stuff of the story. That's all I saw was that being a meme. People are making fun of her because she's eating, but then she also had a bucket of fried chicken. It was just, like, really, like, stereotypical in every, like, way yeah. possible. There is a lot of fried chicken in this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like pig feet and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mac and cheese, <laughs> collard greens. It is all, all the there. good stuff. <laughs> yeah. So for anybody who doesn't know, I guess like a brief synopsis. Basically, Precious is a 16-year-old girl and she moves to a new like alternative school called Each One Teach One. That's like the sort of inciting incident of the film. She is experiencing horrible abuse by her mother and has twice been impregnated by her father who is absent and is not really in the movie but she has one kid and is pregnant with the second kid and um she starts to learn to read she's illiterate and throughout the movie it's sort of like an uplifting story of hope of her like having this baby and wanting to give him a better life and fighting back against her mother's like horrendous 
physical sexual abuse. Her mother, by the way, played by Monique, who we've certainly discussed on this podcast before. We did an episode on Fat Girls, which is like her rom-com vehicle. Yeah, that's that's basically the gist. And then in the end, we learn that, oh, she also has AIDS and is, you know, it's like what the late 80s, early 90s. So she's going to die. And it's sort of a movie about finding hope in the bleakest of times. But it is also very much been criticized as black trauma porn. I watched it in class and my teacher compiled all these reviews for us to look at. One of them literally said, it is a Klansman's fantasy. So that is, it, that should probably give you an idea of the general criticism. But of course, the, you know, mainstream critical consensus was like very, very high on Rotten Tomatoes. It has a 92% on the tomato meter. So that's pretty much precious. So there's so much to unpack here. Where to begin? <laughs> I guess. Honestly, so much. Oh, yeah. So I guess the first thing we should talk about is like the sort of stereotype of it all. That's sort of the energy. And it's kind of like every stereotype is portrayed in this film. Mm -hmm. How do you find it? Like, do you feel like, oh, people live like this and it should be represented? Or do you feel like this is incredibly stereotypical? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I think I do believe people do live like this. In, like, some f shape or form, maybe not to, like, the same, like, degree yeah. in her experiences. But um, I think it was heightened to, like, every possible degree. Yeah. But I think it, like, offered a glimpse of, like, a dark wor world that's kind of often hidden sometimes to, like, most of us that who aren't, like, predominantly in that community. But it's nice to see... A perspective that's usually like hidden or forgotten however i do not think it is like super common yeah that's an interesting point because it's like when it's the only representation of something mm -hmm. and then it becomes assumed that this is all that there is of that you know type of person or group and this is for sure the only plus-size dark-skinned black woman that was a tv protagonist in 2009 or in fact, ever. So, um, and, you know, I feel like also Gabori Sidibe, like in specific, I think I'm pronouncing her name correctly. I've heard it pronounced so many different ways by different people. And I'm pretty sure that's right. But I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, like her in specific, she's not the aesthetic black person. Like, um, we read this article for my class that compared Queen Latifah, like, being on the cover of a magazine and, like, you know, it's amazing that, like, a plus-size black woman has this coverage, but then it's, like, Queen Latifah was, like, a size 12, and she's light-skinned, and she's curvy, and she's proportionate, as they say, and so, like, Gabori Sidibe is the opposite of all of those things, and... It feels like the camera work in this really emphasizes that. Like, it's really mm -hmm. kind of zooming in on her. It's lighting her in this way that I was like, I wasn't sure the entire movie if they had a lighting designer who was, like, trying to obscure her face or who just didn't know how to light a dark-skinned person. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. So you see her, like, walking through the streets of New York and... I think the way that the camera angles are and, you know, the way that she's, like, sort of portrayed by, like, the film techniques, like, it's supposed to be something that's 
kind of arresting to the eye, you know, like she's in contrast to the environment. To me, I was like, yeah, lots of girls like that walking around New York. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it's uh, on 2009 in a movie. It was probably so shocking, especially to mm-hmm. white people who like and people who don't encounter fat black people on a daily basis. Yeah, I thousand percent agree. I also noticed the same thing about like the lighting because after I watched, I was like, wait, I do not remember um, her looking like this. So I went on her Instagram because I do believe she's such a beautiful person. Mm-hmm. And that's why it was always so confusing to me when people would use her and how she looks as an insult. Yeah. Because to me, in my head, I'm just kind of like, God forbid. Like, people are kind of like, God forbid you look like her. And I'm just kind of right. like, that's not a bad thing. And I think, like, it's interesting to see, like, if you compare her between Queen Latifah, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. sh- her comment section and everything I've ever seen about oh God. her is negative. Even the fact that she's married and that her husband is a little bit more conventionally attractive and white. And it's just insane to me because I was like, she gets so much flack. And she, to my knowledge, she has never done anything like problematic in regards to like, who she is in her career but people love queen latifah they think she's so funny they're very like she's just highlighted as like if you're gonna have a fat black person on media pick queen latifah do not call precious up like it was very like insane to me but like yeah (laughs) i think that's that's very real it's like everything she does gets criticized because people are like especially you know, someone who's sitting in like relative position of desirability privilege, like people are so shocked and arrested by her appearance. And again, especially in the context of TV that people like, it's like the disgust response, right? So it's like they try to find a justification for their like visceral response of disgust and like make her wrong for that and like make that into like something she's doing to them when it's like she's literally just existing and acting as you know what i mean it it almost feels like people don't think she deserves to be seen in media and they're angry that she's being seen and not them because it's like in order to be seen you have to fit these like white supremacist fucking fat phobic beauty standards that you know they're maybe closer to than she is and so they're like what life isn't fair i can't handle this you know (laughs) literally i think like when people think fat they think undesirable shameful and a joke and Mm -hmm. then i think like fat has a spectrum like i think the idea of like what is like good fat and then also like different like intersections of who you are play a huge role on the scale of people think you're desirable or not and i think precious character is like on the complete end of that scale yeah and I think her navigating life really added to all the criticism and how she's viewed because I think I mentioned in my comment on your video that her story is so sad. She is a victim, if anything. But I think people take that role in who she is and how she looks like and they she cannot be a victim. Yeah. Her name and who she is is a joke. I'm going to use her to bully you. But... And I think that only has to do with the fact that she's much larger and then mm-hmm. she's dark skin as well. Yeah. So, and she's not like shapely. Like she doesn't have curves. Yeah. 
this like the flat stomach but like the wide hips and the big butt like exactly the whole shenanigan but (laughs) absolutely okay so you said something really interesting about her name and i feel like that's actually a really really good point that like her name is precious like her name is a this positive thing and it's like also like when you think of who gets called precious i feel like it's something you call like a, like a southern lady would call a little white girl do you know what i mean or it's like who is culturally considered precious and we obviously we don't view black women as precious we don't view them as fragile we don't view them as victims so i feel like that's what the name and the title is kind of trying to say and then the point of the movie is to see if they can get the viewer to have empathy for this fat dark-skinned black woman who you know is like in this terrible circumstance and so there's a lot of like ways in which the movie does that one of them being setting her up in contrast to the character of her mother who's played by monique who is the other fat black woman in this film do you have any thoughts on that character (laughs) oh my gosh that character monique did a fantastic job she's it was so believable an actress to the tens like when i'm watching i was like it's just a movie it's just a movie <laughs> like i'm like getting like riled up i was like yeah and i'm like she's just doing such a good job like her role <sighs> towards the end of the movie um we have a moment of sympathy towards monique yeah um when precious and the social worker were sitting and just hearing her break down it just kind of shows the cycle of abuse. Yeah. And I think, granted, does not justify at all her behaviors towards Precious. But then you kind of like wonder, is this just um, her being manipulative or like narcissistic tendencies? But then at the same time, she is also a victim of abuse. And I think that can relate to Precious as a whole because I think like in a sociology perspective like a lot of your behaviors and your actions are based on experiences in your life and a lot of those things are learned and i think for precious she's had these experiences with her mom a lot of deviant behavior you can see that in the sense of like when precious is like overwhelmed or upset she resorts to violence and pushing other people yeah however like when she had her own children she decided to take that turn from that deviant behavior and try to be better for those kids. So I think it sees both ends of this scale where like if Precious continued to take on that behaviors and actions that um, her mother gave her, it would have just been like the same right. cycle consistently. It's a film of, about breaking the cycle of abuse, really. Like, yeah. And that's why it's hopeful at the end, too, because she has AIDS and she's probably not going to live much longer than a few years based on the time it's set. But like or I don't know if she has AIDS or is just HIV positive, but, you know, it's like she's on the road to dying from that. So it's like the hope is that she can give her kids a better life. And that's what she's working toward. And the ab- abuse inflicted by Monique, like, as you said, it is so difficult to watch. I mean, the types of abuse, I think we do need to describe it a little more in case people haven't seen the film. So there's a lot of physical abuse and like straight up violence, even of the baby. Like they get into a physical fight when she brings the baby home from the hospital, like a newborn. And she 
tries to drop a TV on them when they're running away down the stairs. Like it just misses them by a few inches. And so like she she almost kills this baby, her grandson. It's really fucking bad. And obviously there's verbal abuse and there's even sexual abuse. There's a scene where she's masturbating and Precious is like, hey, I need money because we have no food. And Monique's like, come in here and help me. So there's that as well. And then also she's essentially allowed her to be sexually assaulted by her father multiple times. So like there's that too. And then we get into the food. This also circles back to the fried chicken scene because (laughs) that's taken so out of context. The fact that that's the first thing that you saw is crazy because it is a blip in the movie. And the reason why she's eating so much fried chicken is because her mother wouldn't get her food unless she like was sexually involved with her. And so Precious, who is starving, has no choice but to steal food. And of course, she's going to be extremely hungry after being deprived of food by her abusive mother. So that's why she has a binge. And that the fact that that is taken out of context just speaks volumes about the ways in which, you know, there's definitely issues with this movie. But in some ways, people weren't ready for it. Like yep. people couldn't handle it and people couldn't couldn't they they were not prepared to get the point of the movie because the bias is so strong against fat black people. That brings me to one of the other forms of abuse that she enacts on Precious is feederism, which is how how my professor framed it when we discussed it in class. And she literally makes Precious cook for her. And then sometimes she'll make Precious cook this, these meals for her, which are like fried chicken, pig feet, as we said. And then she'll make her eat them all in front of her while she watches. And this is her way of exerting control over precious and what we find out in that final reckoning scene is that the whole reason that she has been abusing precious is partly because it's all she knows and it's a cycle of abuse yeah but specifically she attributes it to telling the story about precious being a baby and her you know then man i don't know if they were ever married or even officially in a relationship but precious's father exhibiting like sexual attraction towards the baby and like wanting you know to molest the baby and she felt like she had to let him because otherwise she wouldn't have a man and who else is going to want me I think she says so it's like the desirability politics of it all like being a fat black woman you know you're presented as being low in the hierarchy you're presented as being unlovable and so she doesn't trust that she can find someone better so she stays with someone who's willing to sexually assault her baby insane yes on one hand i guess i'm glad they addressed the desirability politics and ego that can lead to this kind of thing but on the other hand it feels a little bit reductive to me i agree to be like And it's because she is so, you know, undesirable that then she has to, like, I don't think that's enough of an explanation. (laughs) It'll never be. It will never be. And it's like, it feels a little bit like ego so fragile, especially because of the way this character has already been portrayed. Like, she's, she's classically a welfare queen. Like, she is that stereotype. She's literally Mm -hmm. on welfare. 
She's doing all these things so that they won't take her off of it. She's lazy. She's indulgent. She's sinful. Then she's also aggressive and abusive. And like for that to be the person who's like, and nobody thinks I'm pretty. So I'm going to inflict the most horrible abuse imaginable onto my child. I don't know. There's just something about that that doesn't feel quite right to me. What do you think? I agree a thousand percent. Um, I think I think it's just like an extreme. I think a lot of people feel have felt that like unlovable, undesirable and jealous of your young daughter for getting the attention of pedophiles. But then again, she was so little. And I think like in that scene, um, she tried to um, double back in the sense where like I had her on my side because I wanted to protect her. Yeah. Um, but then in the same breath, I want that love from that man more than protecting my child. So it was, it's confusing. Like I was like, it's not really the math wasn't really mathing for me. So I was just kind of like, it's tough. I think just a very deeply sad and yeah. woman for sure. Like it's just narcissism too. Cause it's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. The whole reason for all of this is that her ego was threatened by seeing, and I know we all know what happens to women when they have a baby in terms of their desirability currency, like, so (laughs) being threatened by the baby, I think that's probably a a very common phenomenon. I just don't know that it results in quite this extreme kind of things, but that's not to say it's never happened. It's just like, because this is the one representation of fat, black, dark-skinned people, women, (laughs) then it feels like, whoa, are we being responsible here? Yes, I agree with you. And I think the idea of she trying to make herself, make Precious more undesirable, and one of yeah. the ways she wanted to do that was to feed her and make right. her bigger, thinking if she just gets so big, nobody's going to want her. I'm going to get my husband back. Or it's like, at least someone will have a worse life than me. And that is just bonkers to me. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely lots to say about, like, narcissistic parents and abuse, but I feel like that is to feederism feed your child so that she will be less desirable than you is not something I've ever heard of before. Neither. I'm not saying it's never happened. If it's happened to you, let me know, and I'd love to hear your perspective, but that, that was just like, are we sure? (laughs) because sometimes and you know maybe i shouldn't say that as a white person who's not a part of this community but like sometimes it feels like people this is how i felt about the whale too it's like when somebody is very fat the assumption is either like this trauma led them there like there's such an association with trauma and i think part of that is because the point of the movie is to make us feel pity for someone that we don't want to pity like assumedly Mm-hmm. But, like, it also just sometimes feels like such a stretch for, like, mm-hmm. the guy in the whale to be like, I'm going to eat myself to death. And for Precious's mom be like, I'm going to make my child eat so much that she's so much fatter than me. Like, I just don't think people eat with the intention of getting that fat. Do you know what I mean? It's extremes. Yeah. So extreme. So extreme. It almost, it's like, if that is people, that's like 1% of people. Like, Mm -hmm. it's a very low proportion. And for that to be the only representation of somebody who's, like, 
it very fat. It was like, you know, in the fat categories, like super fat. Mm-hmm. Like that to me feels a little bit weird. I think people don't believe you can get that fat without some level of intentionality on someone's behalf. Yeah. Because for someone to just have like an out of control eating disorder or for someone to have a medical condition or for a combination of things or like people aren't interested in that. They're interested in the willfulness of it because they believe being fat is so narrowly under your control that you literally cannot get that big without intending to. Yeah. And that's a whole thing. (laughs) Yes, it is. Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting now because you know, and there was parts in the movie when things would happen to Precious, like negative things. She would go into these fantasies, and one of the fantasies was when she was getting ready for school. She would look in the mirror and she would see um, a skinny white woman, and that just stood out to me because I think everything in this movie was giving very much portraying like dark equals undesirable fat equals undesirable and like all these like stereotypical traits but throughout the movie she would always have these daydreams and those were like highlighted as positives yeah of her escaping all these traumatic things that happened so then when she decided to escape she escaped as a white um skinny woman and i thought that was very interesting very interesting yeah and she does say at one point i want to be i want to be skinny or i want to be white and skinny oh someone asks her like who do you want to be but what's also interesting about the dream sequences is that there are a bunch where she is herself and she's like dolled up she looks amazing she's dancing she's performing in the body that she has in the film she's just dressed differently and in a different context and so i just thought that was really interesting juxtaposed with like the scene where she turns into a white woman and sees herself as a white woman, imagines herself that way. Because there are these these other scenes that like are literally evidence. Fat black women can have fun, be beautiful, dance and look good doing it. Like they, there's visual evidence of that in this film. So we know that she's capable of having a good life in the body she has now because she's capable of imagining it. So we've seen it. Does that make sense? It does. And I think it was just, like, confusing to watch just because, like, she also had this desire to have a light-skinned boyfriend. And I think that also highlighted the emphasis on lighter skin being Mm -hmm. attractive. But then also, like, in her own world, all those people that were good to her or kind to her, like her teacher or the nurse, were significantly fair. They were light-skinned individuals. So I think... Um, they associated the lighter skin with good people, um, good careers, um, intelligent, yeah. and um, just like, and wealth yeah. and success. Yeah, wealth, yeah. exactly. That's so true. So this teacher, Ms. Rain, who likes her, takes her under her wing, is gorgeous and light-skinned. When we discussed it in my class they described it as like a visual break like finally you get to see something lovely in this movie that's portrayed as like she's almost lit like she's an angel like there's a lot of like backlighting her skin is like glowing she looks she the camera it's like soft almost the way that she's shot Mm -hmm. um and what's funny about what you said is like that could be in precious's perception genuinely 
it could be her internalized colorism filtering the world that way if we're seeing it through her eyes. But then did the film have to choose to cast a light-skinned, conventionally attractive thin lady and the nurse as like this incredibly hot guy? Like, did we have to do that? Because it's one thing if in Precious's life to her light skin represents something. And so she wants a light skinned boyfriend in the way that she's actually saying, I want a kind boyfriend. But like, Mm -hmm. then we have to remember that is the audience's bias too. So it's like, at what point is the film just is portraying internalized colorism and fat phobia? And at what point is it the film actually reinforcing that and creating it? Mm, Exactly. It's a weird thing. So with the savior thing, we should talk about that because do you feel like Ms. Rain is portrayed? It's like, it's like light skinned savior. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. However, I think, um, watching it, I, I saw how they made her the savior and a lot of fair people in the movie as mm-hmm. a savior. But I was like, let me challenge this a little bit in the sense where, I think it is very common for black individuals to get lost into the system. I think in Precious's case and lots of um, black folks in experiencing like adversity, it is so easy to be overlooked. And I think in most times, like let's say um, with Precious, she struggled with like education and like English and stuff like that. A lot of, and she might have outbursts of anger I think in most cases, and I think a lot of Black people have experiences of where teachers kind of limit you or kind of like push you to the side or don't see your potential. Yeah. So in that regard, like, it was nice to see that her principal, her math teacher, went out of their way to get her into that alternative school. And then at the Toronto school, um, she was still given grace. Yeah. Considering a lot of the things she was experiencing in her behaviors because I think I think a lot of times black folks are kind of like kind of just pushed into a little box like for me at least like um growing up I would like go to school but they always wanted to put me in ESL Mm. and for the life of me I just couldn't get it like why do I need to go to ESL and the only time I received a response it was like oh because you were born in Jamaica but I was like the first language of Jamaica is English <laughs> so it's just kind of like sometimes the system's just kind of working against you. So I think it was nice to see that people were able to like look yeah. out for her because nobody was looking out for her, her like at home. Yeah. That yeah, that's interesting. And so you get the the administrator lady and the social worker who's Mariah Carey, Miss <laughs> Weiss. Um, oh, yeah? I think they're both <laughs> like implied to be white Jewish women, or at least Mariah Carey. She's like, what are you (laughs) at one point? (laughs) But it also is kind of about their powerlessness too. Like we also see Mariah Carey like not really knowing what to do with this. And she's sort of stumped by the whole situation, I think. So that was an interesting dimension of it as well. Because it's like these people are well-meaning. They think they're the savior, but they actually can't do shit. In a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, they only, they like, they're so limited in what they can do. And um, 
I feel like Ms. Rain is contrasted with them in terms of like being black and having like more of an understanding of Precious and being able to meet her where she's at, but also push her. And that's like a really positive portrayal too. So it's just that then it's like Mm -hmm. the colorism dynamics are kind of over the top of that. Yeah. And I think that clouds it. Yeah. Do you think Precious is portrayed like as a victim or as somebody who's like able to pull herself up by her bootstraps? I think Precious is portrayed as this, yeah, strong black woman that can get through adversity type of thing. Yeah. Versus like, I I personally think Precious was a victim, but she was just kind of like, they used her case to, so like, you can do anything. Just put your mind to it. Pull yourself by the bootstraps type of thing. Right. I think it was more so like that versus like a victim. Yeah. I th- I feel like for a lot of the beginning of the movie, they need you to make, they need to make it really clear that like none of this is her fault so that you can feel sorry for her and root for her to pull herself up by her bootstraps. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously like so often fatness is like used as a metaphor for like laziness and not caring about yourself and not trying and blah 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 and with precious it just when you see her so beat down and you see they make a point of her ignorance about food they make a point of her mother's control over her eating so you can't blame her for eating too much they literally do go out of their way to make sure you know like in the scene where she's in the hospital and has just had her baby the nurse is like eating a fruit cup and she's like what's that and he's like it's a fruit cup like i get them at like the bodega downstairs by my house and she's like oh well i like mcdonald's and he's like mcdonald's isn't healthy for you and she's like well i like mcdonald's (laughs) (laughs) yes it's actually kind of amazing for me i was like yas queen claim your mcdonald's but um the implication is that she literally does not know any better so you can't blame her for eating this way which is definitely outside of my experience. I don't know anybody who does not have adequate nutrition guidance because it is required to be taught in school. At least it was when I was growing up. We had the food pyramid. We had health class. We had to do food journals. But I also, I guess I went to a pretty decently funded school, majority white school in Vermont, which is very liberal state, they're very government friendly. So I don't know if this is the case for others, but like, especially in the internet era, to me, it's like, you got to be living under a rock to not know that fruit is healthier than McDonald's. Yeah. Especially now, especially, especially now. now. So maybe I'm looking at that through a contemporary lens. Yeah. I definitely think, um, I think let's say like back then, I definitely could see how that happened. But like, let's say now, I think a lot of people know what is, considered like healthy but i think then it becomes like the conversation of having access to those Mm -hmm. things and like certain neighborhoods just are either just liquor stores or fast food and sometimes a lot of that is just like predominantly like poc neighborhoods Mm -hmm. i'm assuming in like america i'm like look however like canada and where i am fast food is more expensive than Mm -hmm. like going to the grocery store yeah I think maybe before that wasn't the case, but now if you want to go to like McDonald's or something, that's like $25. Totally. It's the same in the States for sure. I think Precious is just very interesting. I think it's one of those movies that I think it makes sense for the times, like 2009. Groundbreaking for 2009. 
everybody was shaking over the idea truly of <laughs> the During critics could not even it's like the <laughs> blueprint of the oscar movie <laughs> and it's just like however though just because how groundbreaking it was it had the opportunity to just create and perpetrate like such stereotypes that kind of reinforced mm-hmm. harmful values that i still see are happening that's the danger yeah that's the groundbreaking con. representation has so much riding on it but it's never mm-hmm. going to be groundbreaking if you tread too lightly that's the other thing that's the thing i think it had to be so extreme very i had to wait until i was older to watch it but i kind of always knew about it because of the meme and then like numerous times in my life people were just calling me precious yeah. so like i don't know i think the fat representation on screen is holds a lot of value because a lot of these experiences can feel alone so if you are fat and watching it it can reinforce these things that aren't true within your own self totally yeah I still think it has a long way to go. There has been a lot better representation, but I will always stand by that TLC has set us back. <laughs> has True. Set us back. <laughs> Talk about it honestly. What's your what is your least favorite fat representation ever? I also have a I also studied communications in university and I did a paper on my 600 pound life. Oh god. And that that will always sit with me as such a like terrible, terrible, terrible. Yeah. I think it's I think being fat and especially like at that size, it's so vulnerable. I think life is very different for you, and I think mm-hmm. they take advantage of it and make it into this like lack of a better words circus show, freak show, literally. Yeah, yeah, and it rubs me the wrong way. People are just kind of like I've seen things on social media. Oh, when I'm feeling bad on myself, I watched my 600 pound life. And like that's like a whole nother thing. But yeah, like the functions that it has, it's like to scare people straight. Like that is what it is. A thousand percent. Like it's a public service announcement, essentially. Like it's a cautionary yeah. tale. And yeah. if anything, like, sure. Like if you wanted to do a documentary on people of that size, you don't need to film them in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> Please. And you don't need the tone of like, oh, this is so horrifying. It like there's there are compassionate documentaries out there, but it's TLC. It's and it's now it's this vicious cycle be- where it's like at the beginning of reality TV, it's like what did they think would sell, what has mm-hmm. sold now, and why has it sold? Is it because it's all there is, or because that's genuinely what people want? And should we let what people want dictate the entire entertainment industry is an interesting question that um, I actually just wrote kind of a paper on, or it's addressed by a paper that I wrote a paper responding to. <laughs> but <laughs> if we want to get into the critical theory of it all, there is a question about like, to what extent should we value the, you know, the mass culture? Because it's so hard because when something like Precious, which is kind of made for a closer reading and a more compassionate reading, even if it obviously like enforces its own stereotypes, it's still being used against you in the school playground. Yeah. So at the end of the day, to, to what extent are we responsible for feeding to people what is acceptable and what it, what, sh- what they should be compassionate about, you know? Exactly. And I think 
Precious also kind of surprised me in a sense where a lot of these films and like Tyler Perry films and stuff like that never usually leave the black community. It's kind of like stays in the black mm-hmm. community. Like we are usually the biggest viewers for those films. However, I think Precious and some other ones like went beyond. And yeah, literally like the only times ever I was like made fun of do that movie. It was coming from different white men and it was just surprising because i was like at first instant i was like how do you know about precious like after the fact when i learned about it i was like who told you about precious yeah and i think that's when a lot of those like those stereotypes get reinforced and become harmful when it's like spread beyond Mm -hmm. i think i think the black community community has a lot of like bigger people so i think we can see something and be like "Mm." Like, I know a lot of fat people in my life type of thing, like, as a Black viewer. But then I think when it was, like, beyond, then you have the chicken and then her being really big and, like, undesirable yeah. and she's ugly and she's, like, dumb and, like, illiterate. It, yes. It, it, it became harmful. What about Precious do you think makes it for, like, not just a Black audience? Like, what's the difference between that and a Black movie that only Black people really watch it or know about at the time? Th- that's tough. I do think... Um, I do think Precious is for non-Black audiences, for sure. Yeah. I think the issue is when it was, like, the only one mm-hmm. that was shown. And so then you kind of only have one idea right. of, like, a Black fat main character. And I think that's when it became harmful. Right. And it's like there are other movies with a black fat main character. But when I was a kid, I didn't know about Last Holiday. I didn't know about Fat Girls. I didn't know about Mm -hmm. Just Right. You know, I only knew the movies that were for white audiences. And so I knew about Precious. And that's the only fat black representation I really could have named beyond like Dream Girls, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or like any any of the things Queen Latifah did that had white people in them, you know, I think a lot of white people, at least at the time, and maybe there's more of an effort now, but it's like if something's not made for us, like we don't seek it out, really. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the black movies that have then like that transcend to white audiences are so often the really demeaning ones, which is like really fucked up. Like it's either the trauma porn, it's like 12 years a slave, yeah. or it's like the you know really demeaning comedy it's like Medea it's Eddie Murphy wearing a fat suit like Norbit or the Nutty Professor it's like the one thing white audiences don't have space for is like black joy and black love you know Mm -hmm. because I believe Precious was in theaters but like all the other movies that you mentioned like The Last Holiday and stuff like that weren't in theaters yeah that's probably the divide Mm -hmm. so it's like are you underestimating white audiences is it like we don't think white people are going to want to see that or are you you know correctly estimating white audiences and white audiences don't want to see that like but no matter what it is something fucked up is going on 100% I think it's interesting I think there was I don't know if this can be compared but I think there was there was no outrage for when Precious was released in theaters but there was significant outrage when Ariel was released in theaters true so I think it's fine if it's, like, very, like, like negative or, like, very extreme or stereotypical. It's, like, reinforcing the subordination of Black people. Yeah, but, like, God forbid she's, like, 
a Disney princess. <laughs> exactly. It's very interesting. The outrage over that was fucking bonkers. I really didn't understand. It it was so crazy how people could say that with their chest and think it wasn't racist. That literally is so crazy. <laughs> I think maybe if sis couldn't sing or something or she was a terrible actor, okay. Yeah. Let's let's pick. Let's recast. But like I think it just adds to the fact that fat and then blackness can only be represented in one way. Exactly. I think we underestimate the extent to which people want watch media to see themselves. Mm-hmm. Um and people who do not see themselves, you know, black people, fat people, and disabled people, like any t- any type of person who's underrepresented in media, which is, you know, everybody but skinny white people, um, <laughs> learn to see parts of themselves in the characters that don't look like them. But people who've never had to do that get really fucking confused when they're asked to empathize with somebody that does not look like them or that doesn't remind themselves of them or they don't like see themselves in that piece of media. They just have either no interest in it or they're outraged because they at this point feel entitled to relate to all media and to mm-hmm. be represented in all media, which is hilarious. And I, cause I think the thin white women's reaction to Ariel like speaks volumes in that they were so angry that like, Oh my God, this princess character that I thought I could look like now looks like someone else, even though the original where she looks exactly like me still exists, whatever. Like, that speaks volumes about why representation is important for underrepresented groups. And it's it's why people feel so entitled about not having to see fat people or black people or any people they find undesirable, disabled people, trans people, for sure. Like, people feel entitled to not have to see that. And that mm-hmm. is what they get upset about in the representation conversation a lot of the times on social media. People will say, nobody wants to see that. People who look like that do want to see that. Please. Please. <laughs> Please. We're begging for it. We are begging for it. And there's this idea that, like, most people are white and skinny, which is just not true in the States. Like, 70-something percent of people are, you know, too fat to be considered Hollywood normal. That that means they're overweight or obese, according to BMI. But like, so we can't exactly correlate it. But like, if you have an o- overweight BMI, you're probably not skinny enough for Hollywood. <laughs> um, and I don't remember what proportion of the states is white. I think it's 60. But like, that's obviously way out of proportion to all media that we see. Mm-hmm. And like, the actual proportion of people who are being represented as the majority are skinny white people, mm-hmm. skinny white cis, straight, able-bodied people who are, like, relatively a minority. Like, and they like it that way so much that they won't allow anybody else in. Yeah. It's so unfortunate. And I think a lot of people consume their media through not not so much traditional forms anymore, but more so social media. Mm-hmm. There is a lot more of those different intersections and bodies and diversity out there on media however i do think even then they exist but they're not in positions that are being shown like yeah if it means like content being pushed out by certain people versus like others like or brands picking certain people versus others i think Mm -hmm. 
on like I think before maybe there we have like different people have always been there but like more in the background but now there's so many different people and diversity being putting themselves out there and still not getting chosen totally and i think at the end day like i think fat cells there's so much gap in the market for so many different things for plus size people but Mm -hmm. very much an afterthought people are interested right but it's not gonna sell to thin people so they don't care like that's the weird thing about it is that on social media everything's hyper niche and so you have you know body positive content creators with millions of followers sure but you know what i mean they don't have the following kylie jenner has and in order to make a big budget box office film they Mm -hmm. need it to appeal to everyone like they want it to appeal to literally everyone because they want to maximize their profit so they won't even make anything that doesn't have a chance of maximizing the profit they'll make it for streaming now maybe but (laughs) yeah it's it's uh it's such a bummer but at least i am glad we have social media i think that's huge and i really applaud what you're doing and what all you know content creators out there are doing who are like you know giving representation to us like i turn on my social media feeds and i see representation in a way that i i never can see it on tv almost almost never in a way that is so much more ubiquitous, so much more like proportional to actually what the world is and so much more nuanced and so much more real because it's people's actual lives. So people are living out more realistic stories, obviously on the internet than it's ever mm-hmm. possible to create because it's their real lives. And of course there are there is an element of like artificiality of what you choose to share, but like you can't pretend to me that social somebody being body positive on social media, even if they cried in the dressing room last week, is more of a lie than like fucking only seeing fat people on my six hundred pound life. So literally, I think honestly, like tradition, like TV is like I think it's going to keep doing what it does. I think that kind of fat representation sells like. They made spinoffs like Six Hundred Pound Life, Thousand Pound Sisters, Thousand Pounds Best Friends, and like they had a show like Hot and Heavy where it was like fat yes. people dating someone smaller, and I was like, "That's insane!" It happens every day, but it's an anomaly <laughs> on TV, so people don't even believe it does exist. And then when they see it in real life, they say, "Oh well, I guess she must have a lot of money and be supporting him or whatever." Yes, I my my boyfriend he is smaller than I am, and he's white, so. When we are in public, the babes are shook. Like, there's always so much double takes. They're oh like, my god! And I'm just kind of like, I don't think it's that insane. Like, I think interracial relationships are very common. Yes, I'm plus size. God forbid, a plus size person is in a relationship. One thing, or desired, or like, and I think the idea of like a lot of plus size babes deal with feeling like a secret, or like not yeah. out and about in real life. So I think. This just seems like this insane concept. So when it's in real life, they don't know how to. Brains can't wrap around it. And that's why, like, with social media, I think you have to curate your feed. You have to find those people and curate your feed. Because if not, you're just going to be around, like, like the Hailey Biebers and the, like, the tiny, like, different content. And I think there's no way if you see people that look opposite like you every single day, you're not going to internalize that to think you are less than or undesirable or you need to change per se absolutely 
I that's really interesting what you said about the interracial relationship of it all and the reactions that you get to that because I think first of all fat white woman skinny black man is very normalized and I think it's because in like desirability politics the black man is still reaching up you know what I mean like oh yeah it's like oh that's the only white girl he could get you know that's sort of the Mm -hmm. implication or there's like I mean, there's so many fucked up stereotypes about this. It's its own episode uh, that I I really hate so deeply. But um, that feels like it's much more normalized because it's like both of them are marginalized in one way, but privileged in one way. <laughs> and then when it's somebody, this is what Gabori Sidibe and her skinny white husband get too. Like people are so angry that she has something they don't think she deserves or is entitled to, which is fucking crazy. Cause like being deserving or entitled and love and relationships though, that's not, those are two different universes. Like there is no, there actually, I genuinely believe there is no deserving of love unless it's a question of like, are you being abusive to your partner? And then you don't deserve (laughs) love. But like people get so angry when they see somebody they think they're above getting something they don't have or that they want or that they feel entitled to. Mm -hmm. So that's representation in a lot of cases or it's love or whatever it is. But it's like people like the it's the it's the ego of it all. It's the fragile ego of it all. Mm -hmm. And uh I feel like that actually kind of applies to what we were saying about the incest in Precious a little bit. It does. You're yeah. so right. So much nuance. So much nuance. So much to discuss. There's a lot of really, really interesting academic writing about this that some of so I had to read some for class. Definitely recommend if you have access to like academic journals. They did a whole issue in it in um this Journal of Black Film Studies. I believe it's called Black Camera. And they have, oh, okay. a whole, they have a whole issue on Precious. It's really, really interesting for anybody oh, out there who's it. listening and feels like reading some academic literature about the film Precious, which, I mean, it's there's so much there. Like, we have been talking for over an hour and we have barely brushed the surface. <laughs> but we had so many interesting conversations here. I... I really loved getting to sit down with you and chat about this. Is there anything else you want to say about Precious before we go? I think Precious is able to highlight different lives and different avenues and different experiences. I think, especially with the times, it was a movie fitting. However, is it a necessary watch per se? Undecided, I think. Knowing about it and reading about it is would be like great. I think the movie is very traumatic. It is, it's a lot. So yeah. I think if you want to see more Black representation, there's other uh, movies you can reach out and watch that aren't so extreme. Um, but I think it would be very nice to finally see some more fat representations on screen that aren't so like stereotypical in yeah. different ways. Not just race, but like fatness as well. Mm-hmm. I think we need to end on a positive note with the question, what do you recommend for fat representation? Like, what what are the must-watches? Hmm, let's see. I recently just finished um, the Netflix show um, Survival of the Thickest. Oh, yes, yes. I think that is a great, easy watch. And I think it also kind of navigates different things, but then I think it's very 
positive overall. It's extremely positive, yeah. It's like I everything sure. precious is not. <laughs> no, literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it just got renewed for season two, which is so amazing. I cannot wait. Um, I believe we talked about that in the episode that comes out next week. So stay tuned for that. But it's really exciting that this series has gotten a second season. Michelle Buteau is amazing and so smart and so funny. Love her. And so fucking beautiful. And, and the way they dress her in the show. She's a stylist. So you get really amazing fashion. It's awesome. It's like kind of a fantasy world. To me, it is because I don't work in that. Like, you know, she's she's like in this high-powered fashion kind of world. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like just the, just the, the, the plus-size clothes. Like the availability of beautiful plus-size clothes. Shrill too. It's like <laughs> I watch that and I'm like. I wish I lived in that world. Honestly, same. It's very nice. It's it's good daydream type of yeah. show. And then seeing her navigate, like, dating, but also um, dating people that people would think wouldn't be interested in her. Dude, talk about it. She dates an Italian guy. I'm like, <laughs> when has have we ever seen a fat black woman date a European? Ever? A white European man? Excuse me? <laughs> unheard of that is like stereotypically attractive and like desires her so dude i'm terrified of european men i feel like they're gonna all be so fat phobic to me honestly that was my worry too my boyfriend's ukrainian and i was just kind of like i was just so surprised i was like i just like never would have expected he's like yeah like you say a lot of stuff in the community like from like because he went to like ukrainian schools and stuff like that and he would mention Mm -hmm. like it exists it exists but he was like no not i and i was like period yeah that's (laughs) (laughs) this has been wonderful thank you so much for coming on happy Before we go, let's dream up the ultimate fat representation. Where do you want to see or like what do you want to see in terms of fat representation? Oh, I'm a reality TV lover. I, and I think sometimes reality TV isn't made for us. <laughs> sometimes we could be setting ourselves up by going. I think I would love to see fat positive reality TV mm. that goes beyond like weight loss but also like like no the biggest loser but like it doesn't have to be like a love island moment just like a reality tv that is like fat positive but like not just like fat able-bodied people either like just different sexualities different everything and i think a reality tv like that would be sick for me it either needs to be a true love is blind where they don't just have conventionally attractive people or it needs to be like a Jersey Shore. Both would be. Um, <laughs> let's do both. <laughs> Jersey Shore, The Hills. Where is that genre of reality TV? I need it back. And I loved like a Jersey Shore moment. Rewatching it as an adult, you're just kind of like, oh. they would definitely think I was like a grenade. But like, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but a reality TV like that would be like Jersey Shore would be sick. But Love Is Blind because. <sighs> It's yeah, I love Love Is Blind and watching new season, but like definitely something like that as well would be so cool. 
this has been a really interesting season of love is blind i have to say like i i am very interested in what's going on there but i don't watch it anymore because i out of protest that they only have conventionally attractive people and it's boring to me that there is no stakes with like who you're actually going to find on the other side of the you know that's true so i feel like at this point the people who go on they just know everybody they that's going to go on it's going to be basically conventionally attractive and they go on looking for that and they'll say shit like physical attraction is just so important or they'll like ask leading questions to try and figure out if the other person is fat and like they're not actually trying to do the experiment which is what's the which is the thing that's actually interesting to me because i don't really like reality tv so if anyone wants to do a real experiment you should do that that would be sick yeah like you know the closest thing i think we have to that is the button are you familiar with the button oh on youtube yeah yeah that's the closest that is very much the closest (laughs) to a dating show that's like genuinely a social experiment no literally and even still even still (laughs) (laughs) but love is blind isn't yeah you're totally right it always is conventionally attractive people and if anything it's just kind of like they walk into the pods you're like i love to work out do you literally that's like the first thing they ask (laughs) it's so stupid (laughs) but and then they're just trying to gauge if you're fat or not but yeah literally they, where they got me was the time i think it's season two where he's like uh so if we went to a music festival could i lift you up and she was like i don't know can you lift me and he was like would i have trouble <laughs> like sure maybe your knees will buckle a little bit but like that's not the point honestly like, it's just, it's so <laughs> i hate being lifted so much a couple years ago my boyfriend discovered he can lift me like two inches into the air if he like puts his arms around my waist and like kind of <laughs> like that sort of lift and um every time he does it i like scream like it's not even because i don't like it it's just because it's so weird to me being lifted and i just can't even take it and he thinks it's so funny <laughs> i think that's like a super common experience because you're like like in high, like in elementary school like you're at the bottom of the pyramid pyramid oh, yeah. of recess oh yeah so like you're not used to being lifted and i always say that the day my feet leave the ground i'm just won't know how to act like i'd be so like oh my god (laughs) oh my god at my bat mitzvah when by the way i was much thinner than i am now but the jewish tradition is that you get in a chair and everybody lifts up the chair and they sing hava nagila and um i was so terrified i was looking forward to being lifted in that chair my entire childhood and the second i was up in there i was like i hate this (laughs) it's scary because like i don't know the idea of being dropped yeah that's what it is because it's like i'll never experience being lifted without fear (laughs) never because like i always had the fear of falling in any aspect like i could be anything but if i trip and fall in front of people like please like i'm gonna have to run away I was walking on the pier the other day and I looked down and I could see through the wooden slats like there's only one layer and then there's ocean and I was like can this hold me? Meanwhile there's like an entire amusement park on the Brighton pier. <laughs> <laughs> They're like me or the amusement park? Am I going to be the straw that broke the back? Like literally. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like well if I was everyone would blame me. <laughs> you know? No literally. Like be like you're the problem, not the roller coaster. Well, the, the roller coaster couldn't have just lost weight if it just counted <laughs> calories and walked 10,000 steps. A t- <laughs> it's easy. like <laughs> Easy roller so coaster. Funny. 
You only need to u- lose a couple cars to be under the weight limit. No, literally. <laughs> like, I know a couple brands that could help you with weight loss. Exactly. <laughs> Roll Zempic. <laughs> Zempic for roller coasters. Oh, my God. That would sell out. <laughs> literally. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so crazy. You're such a burden on the pier you live on. <laughs> you just lost some weight. <laughs> Everyone would love you more. No, they wouldn't, because then the lines would be longer. Anyway. No, literally. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Rolzempic is a bust. (laughs) Thought we were going to be millionaires. (laughs) Oh, my God. Anything that they can sell for weight loss will win. Truly. Well, on that note, (laughs) plug your stuff. Where can we find you on social media and beyond? Okay, maybe not. Um, Maybe don't tell us your street address. That was phrased very oddly. Where can we find you on social media? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can find me. (laughs) You can find me on TikTok as well as Instagram at Jade Haley on TikTok, but Jade Haley underscore on Instagram. Perfect. Go, go follow, go like, go subscribe. Thank you again so much for being here. It was really fun chatting with you and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of More Than Tracy Turnblad. If you liked it, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. For more content, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash morethantracyt. Follow us on social media at morethantracytea on everything. I'm Abby. I'm Luce. And, and we, we are, are More Than, than Tracy, Tracy Turnblad. Turnblad.